0: Today we're in chapter 8 of Esther, so go ahead and start getting that queued up for yourself. So uh, as you're turning to Esther 8, question, group question here. What type of situations do you think of when someone says, I was born for this? What kind of things are they talking about? Olympics. Parenting. <laughs> Careers. Things they enjoy doing that they do well, right? Okay, so when you when you hear someone say, "Man, I was born for this," uh, we usually don't think of a situation that involves conflict, right? <laughs> or a stressful, difficult time. Uh, we like to think of our best day ever, right? <laughs> so, um, however, if we look at Scripture, we see that God really called people. They were born for situations that were actually very difficult. And God used them to accomplish his will and enable them to do it. So an example, several years ago, I was in a job where there was a lot of conflict. And I prayed and I asked God to get me out of here, please. Well, he didn't, and I had to walk through that time. And I needed to get my strength from him each day. Because if I didn't, I would be operating in my own strength, my own resources. And that was not a good thing. And that was that's the times that I would make a lot of mistakes. And uh, I had to get through it. I had to refuel each day and get power from the Holy Spirit and the Word of God in my life. And in retrospect, I have to say that I learned more there than I did in most places that I worked. I learned, uh, I saw the impact of bad decisions. <laughs> and I also learned about poor leadership and good leadership. And so God used that time to, to train me and teach me the things I needed to do to follow him to the next step in my life. And uh, this was actually part of what I was born to do. So that was part of the process. Today, Esther, as we look at uh, chapter 8, we see that she shows us a way through conflict and how to navigate troubled waters. Just for a recap, uh, the past few chapters have all been in the same day, right? We, we've been the morning after the, the king couldn't sleep, and, and Haman came to the court to ask for permission to impale Mordecai, and instead ended up leading him all over the city, uh, calling out about how the king was honoring him. And then Haman, feeling humiliated, ran home, got brought to the banquet. He was exposed there for what he was trying to do, Taken out to be hung on the pole he had set up for Mordecai. And now we begin chapter 8 on the same day. So beginning with verse 1. That same day, King Xerxes gave Queen Esther the estate of Haman, the enemy of the Jews. And Mordecai came into the presence of the king, for Esther had told how he was related to her. The king took off his signet ring, which he had reclaimed from Haman, and presented it to Mordecai. And Esther appointed him over Haman's estate. Esther again pleaded with the king, falling at his feet and weeping. She begged him to put an end to the evil plan of Haman the Agagite, which he had devised against the Jews. Then the king extended the gold scepter to Esther, and she arose and stood before him. If it pleases the king, she said, and if he regards me with favor, and thinks it is the right thing to do, and if he is pleased with me, Let an order be written overruling the dispatches that Haman, the son of Hamadatha the Agagite, devised and wrote to destroy the Jews in all the king's provinces. For how can I bear to see the disaster fall on my people? How can I bear to see the destruction of my family? King Xerxes replied to Queen Esther and to Mordecai the Jew, because Haman attacked the Jews, I have given his estate to Esther and they have impaled him on the pole he set up. Now... Write another decree in the king's name in behalf of the Jews as seems best to you and seal it with the king's signet ring, for no document written in the king's name and sealed with his ring can be revoked. At once, the royal secretaries were summoned. On the 23rd day of the third month, the month of Sivan, they wrote out all Mordecai's orders to the Jews and to the satraps, governors, and nobles of the hundred twenty seven provinces stretching from India to Cush. These orders were written in the script of each province and the language of each people, and also to the Jews in their own script and language. Mordecai wrote in the name of King Xerxes, sealed the dispatches with the king's signet ring, and sent them by mounted couriers who rode fast horses especially bread for the king. The king's edict granted the Jews in every city the right to assemble and protect themselves to destroy, kill, and annihilate the armed men of any na- nationality or province who might attack them and their women and children and to plunder the property of their enemies. The day appointed for the Jews to do this in all the provinces of King Xerxes was the 13th day of the 12th month, the month of Adar, A copy of the text of the edict was to be issued as law in every province and made known to the people of every nationality so that the Jews would be ready on that day to avenge themselves on their enemies. The couriers riding the royal horses went out, spurred on by the king's command, and the edict was issued in the citadel of Susa. When Mordecai left the king's presence, he was wearing royal garments of blue and white, a large crown of gold, And a purple robe of fine linen. And the city of Susa held a joyous celebration. For the Jews it was a time of happiness and joy. Gladness and honor. In every province and in every city. To which the edict of the king came. There was joy and gladness among the Jews. With feasting and celebrating. And many people of other nationalities became Jews. Because the fear of the Jews had seized them. So that same day. This has been really a busy week for esther and mordecai and everyone else in this account hasn't it So mordecai is given the estate of haman to oversee it And from this account, we see that mordecai now is stepping into the responsibilities of haman And the king gives him in fact that signet ring that haman used to have And it symbolizes that he's taking on this role of second in command in the kingdom Which is amazing, isn't it? Uh, Sometimes the situations and people that are our biggest problems actually make the way for us to move into that next thing that God has for us. Instead of keeping the way closed to us, it actually opens the way for us to become what God created us to be. We just need to trust God and allow him to uh, work in our lives and follow what he's showing us to do. It seems sometimes to be the worst right before that promotion that God gives us as we follow him. As we see here in verse 3, Esther, after all of this, is begging the king for mercy for her people. And the way she goes about it is so respectful. She doesn't say, how could you have gone along with this guy Haman? Or, or this, is, this was so terrible what you did. No, she appeals to him on the basis of her family and her heritage which was something that the king also found important for him and then she asks him in such a polite respectful way if it pleased the king if he regards me with favor if he thinks this is the right thing to do and if he is pleased with me so as she's asking these things she sets it all up in a way to make it easy for him to respond in a favorable way She doesn't want the king to think that she's telling him what he has to do because that wouldn't be permitted. And she doesn't want to infer to him that he's made this really bad decision. So she asks him with this respectful, careful way so he can respond in the way that she needs him to. She lets him see the grief that she has about this and asks if the dispatch can be overruled. By a written order of the king And she calls this edict of Haman A dispatch Not an order That the king would uh, have sent out But a dispatch Like you know Just sending out some news And uh, by doing this She's acknowledging that the one who sent it was Haman And so that wasn't the king And it shouldn't have the weight of the order of the king And she says You know this thing that Haman ordered I just can't bear to see this destruction of my family And my people, and she's appealing to him in a way that he can understand it. And because the king had sentenced Haman to death now, he can more easily give permission to Esther and Mordecai to write another decree, as he says, in the king's name on behalf of the Jews. And as we will see later, this decree basically over ruled the one that had gone out earlier, it nullified the effect of that first one, and it gave permission to the Jewish people not only to defend themselves, but also if someone is coming against them, they could actually go on the offensive to counteract what this uh, group are trying to do to them, and they can uh, remove all threats to them. It makes me wonder who would be foolish enough to go and try and do that, you know, knowing the Jews are going to fight back. But uh, we'll, we'll find out next week. To plunder the pro, uh, property of the enemy, they could do also. In other words, they could take all the wealth, all the property of those who came against them. Write another decree, the king says. And this, for us, is also an encouragement. It's, it's a powerful concept. When the enemy tries to write a decree against us, when the devil tries to lie about us, who we are, to steal our inheritance, to destroy us, Jesus has written a decree that will overrule it. By his death on the cross and his powerful resurrection, there is nothing of the devil, nothing of the enemy that can prosper over us. When Jesus is our Lord and Savior, he has changed the outcome of what the enemy has tried to write against us when we follow Jesus Christ. God has written another decree about us. We are set free. We are bought with the blood of the Lamb. We are seated with him in heavenly places. We are no longer subject to the will of the enemy. That's you and that's me when we follow Jesus Christ. And when we have everything we need for life and godliness when we follow him, we have access to that heavenly bank account with all the riches of God for us when we come through the battle, we can be victorious in Jesus Christ. So what do we do when we're in a conflict? What do we do when we are encountering something like what Esther and Mordecai and the Jewish people encountered? What is the way through conflict for us? Well, the first thing is that we need to take our need to God. Esther Mordecai and all the people had called out to God and prayed for his help to save them from destruction When we commit to praying and fasting and ask God for direction and help from God We begin the process of preparation for battle that we're facing the process Actually matures us in our faith And when we bring our problems to God and allow God to handle those who mistreat us And those who oppose us we will mature and reap great blessing. See, God sees us. He sees what we're going through. And uh, he sees our suffering and our trouble. And he's got plans, and he's got (coughs) blessings that he wants to bring uh, out of it, and good he wants to bring out of it. But we must pray and get our hearts aligned with his. And that happens as we pray about our situation and ask God for his wisdom and insight. We need to get on board With what God's program is for us. And we need to take all those things to God in prayer. And ask him for his help. And follow him. And then the Bible tells us that we need to thank God for his answer. Even uh, while we're asking, right? So if we're asking, like in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So that's how we're able to get through it. When we take these things before God and we ask him to uh, have his way and his answer in that issue, we thank him for that answer. And he gives us peace as we follow him and walk it out. We would probably say things like, Jesus, thank you for helping me to do the right thing at work. And thank you that I can live out my faith there by being like you. And thank you for the answer that's on the way. Amen. Or whatever problem you have, take it before God, commit it to him, and thank him for the answer. The second thing for getting through conflict is we want to be equipped by God's power. We wish that God would remove those tough times in our life. We we say god, you know, this is this is hard. This is a sticky or a difficult situation And maybe we're facing battles regularly But when we ask god, I mean, is it your experience that god takes them away most of the time? No He doesn't Exodus thirteen seventeen says when pharaoh let the people go god did not lead them on the road through the philistine country Though that was shorter For god said if they face war they might change their minds and return to egypt See, sometimes, though, God will help you avoid a conflict, help you avoid something. In this case, the Israelites were not ready for battle, so God took them around the enemy. But sometimes God prepares us, and we are left in a situation because God has equipped us to deal with it. So he's either preparing you and taking you around it, or he's bringing you through it because you are prepared, because you are equipped. And he walks through the thing with us. In our uh, Bible study on Daniel, we talked about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and how they were thrown into the fiery furnace. God didn't save them from the furnace, but he was in the furnace with them. He brought them through it and brought them out victorious. He equipped them to come out in victory. So question for everyone. How do you get equipped with the power of God? Prayer. Communion with other believers, reading his word, power of the Holy Spirit, right? Yeah, and the Holy Spirit as our strength and as our guide will help us get through the situation. It's part of the equipping. All the things you said are part of that equipping in God's power. We just need to ask him and rely on him. Uh, Ask him each day to fill us with the strength and the power we need to get through it. And that's how we get through conflict. In Isaiah 43, in verse 2, it says, What we sang today, and I am not alone. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through the rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. See, God protects us, equips us, gives us the strength we need. He walks through that battle, that conflict with us. He protects us. He himself is with us when we follow him. So no matter how difficult the conflict, no matter how difficult that situation, God will either take you around it or has equipped us and has strengthened us to go through it. The third thing we can do is claim victory. In Jesus Christ in a conflict. Jesus said in John 16.33. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart. Because I have overcome the world. So what does claiming the victory in Jesus over ourselves do? Question. What does claiming the victory in Jesus over ourselves do? do for us puts him in control gives us peace that God will work everything out yeah it speaks it into being is more receptive to to his will yeah really good yes that's exactly right and so this is important for us to do we want to claim that victory that it's mentioned in the word of God God's told us that his word is powerful That it accomplishes his will. In fact, he spoke the world into being. And Jesus spoke life into people's lives. And if we are made in God's image when we follow him, our word is powerful. But as we speak God's word, that is really powerful. We can claim the victory that God's word says we have over our situations. In every situation, Jesus' word says that we are overcomers. When we're followers of Jesus, we can claim that victory and his victory in every situation, whatever we face, it's for one reason that God has equipped us to have that victory. In Romans 8, 37, it says, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Jesus Christ who loved us. So in everything we're going through, that victory of Jesus Christ in our lives gives us victory as we follow him through those situations. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty seven. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Psalm 66, 12 says that when we went through the fire and water, but you brought us out to a place of abundance. So as we go through fire, as we go through rivers and, you know, figuratively, As we go through these times of testing, as we go through these conflicts, if we commit them to the Lord God, we come out to a place of abundance, it says. So whatever you're going through, God can lead you through it and bring you to a place of blessing. Sometimes those conflicts involve us being mistreated. That's difficult to handle, right? Our natural reaction on those is to fight back or to get even, but That's not what God tells us to do when we need to call out to him, ask him to help us in the situation and leave the defense in his hands in that situation and claim his victory in our lives in that conflict. First Peter 3 9 says do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult on the contrary repay evil with blessing because to this you were called so that you might inherit a blessing. See, Esther and Mordecai put that matter in God's hand. The first thing they did when they realized what they needed to do was take time and commit it to God to pray and to fast. And they acted honorably in what they did. And they asked God to give them wisdom and show them what to do. They didn't react in anger. The problem with anger is demonstrated definitely by how Haman acted. He reacted in anger. And Esther and Mordecai didn't react in anger. They responded by how God showed them how to handle that. They responded in the wisdom and in the grace of God. We want to ask God to help us as we work through problems to give us the wisdom to know how to handle it. And when we're being mistreated, that's especially important. We want to make room for God's righteous judgment. We we want to leave it with God that He can take care of that source of our mistreatment, and His righteous judgment will take care of that problem. And instead, we want to inherit a blessing. When we suffer mistreatment for doing what's right, God's Word says that we inherit a blessing from God. Uh, an example of this is a man named Bryce, who's a friend of the author John Bevere. And this friend was passed over a promotion. He was sure he had a case for discrimination. Uh, He could have taken it to court, but he chose to leave it in God's hands and ask God to judge righteously for him. So he committed it to the Lord. So Bryce went in and congratulated the man who got the promotion, and he told him, I'm going to be your best worker, and, and just forgave the offense of the employer against him. Several weeks went by, and a competitor called and asked him to go to lunch. They had seen how he had handled his clients. They had some mutual clients who had told him about him, too, and said, you know, I really wish he worked for your company instead. And Bryce said, well, you know what? I'm not interested in leaving this company. I I have stability here. I've worked here a while. I have a good salary. I have good benefits. And they said, you know what, just, just come and meet with us, please. Just hear us out. Well, finally he said, well, okay. So he went and listened to what they had to say. And again, he told them, no, I, I just don't want to do this. I don't feel like I want to uh, make this change. And they said, well, listen, let's meet again in a week. You go home, you talk to your wife, come up with a salary that you think would would justify you making that move. So he went home and... For a few days, he didn't even talk to his wife about it. And then when they talked, uh, they decided together that he would write a letter letter to this company and bring it with him, and in the letter he would say a figure that was three times his current salary because he figured if it's three times the current salary, that'll take care of it. That'll stop him. Well, he got there, and he pulls out the letter, and the competitor said, wait, there are several guys from there. They said, wait, we, we have a letter with us for you With an offer in it for you And they gave him the letter and he opened it up And the salary figure In that offer was Four times his current Salary Well he was speechless he looked at it And he, he was like oh my gosh He didn't know what to say And they mistook his not saying anything That the figure wasn't big enough So they upped it even more They said go home think about it He went home, prayed with his wife, and as they prayed, they felt that God was speaking to them, telling them this was because Bryce had put his case in God's hands, that God had vindicated uh, him, and this was God's promotion for him, and he should take it. And so he did, and over the next few years, he continued to climb in uh, level in that company and ended up being a top executive of that company. Something that would have never happened at the old job had he stayed. See, Bryce could have defended himself. He had a legitimate case. He had rights he could have insisted on. He could have been all angry and gone into the boss's office and yelled about it. And He could have gone to court and he could have probably won the case. But even if he had won, he wouldn't be where he is today. He would have missed out on God's blessing sometimes the conflicts we face are actually a setup for god's blessing to us if we handle it his way if we allow him to work through us and follow him we come out with a blessing so that's what's in this chapter today the jewish people were supposed to be totally destroyed but they prayed to god They trusted him, they were equipped by his power And Esther and Mordecai especially show us this And God gave the victory And in verse 8 the king says Write another decree in my name Seal it with my signet ring And it cannot be revoked The devil might be trying to dispatch something against you today You might have a conflict You might be being mistreated somewhere There is a problem, and the devil wants to write that out over you. He's trying to make you think that it can't be changed, that there's no hope, that you won't succeed, that you can't do what you were born to do, that you'll never solve this. That's the lie of the enemy. But God says, here is my name, the name of God the Father, Jehovah Rapha, El Shaddai, Jehovah Jireh, the name of Jesus Christ, And he is saying today to write out another decree that you are my child, you are loved, you are valued, that God's plans are to prosper you and not to harm you, that you have a future and you have a hope and the cross and the blood of Jesus has sealed that for you. Today, there's a way through conflict for each of us. We must call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Present our need to God. And claim his power and victory over our situation and over ourselves. Please stand with me as we close. If everyone could just bow their heads as we close today. just a question here. How many of you are in the middle of a conflict today, either at work or in your family or somewhere? Just raise your hand. Okay, thank you. Thank you. We need to turn these conflicts over to God and ask him for his power. Ask him to help us walk through it, to equip us to walk it out in our lives, to trust him, the righteous judge, to defeat the enemy. Ask God to rewrite the decree over us. So with heads still bowed, first we must be right with God. We need to ask him to be our Lord and Savior, and not just in church, but also in our lives, in all areas, to live to honor God and make good choices. If you need to confess an area before God where you're not living in a way you know you should, maybe it's a behavior Maybe it's the words you've been speaking. Maybe it's your attitude about someone or something. If you need to confess that so he can forgive you and help you write that new decree, would you just raise your hand? Just be honest before him. Thank you. Thank you. Let's pray. Lord God, we want to see your victory in our lives. Lord, I pray that you give us all a revelation of your decree over our lives. Lord, not the lies of the enemy, not his attack against us, but Lord, that we would understand who you say we are and that you would show us that you are equipping us to get through this. Lord God, that we would pick up those things that you have given us to face this battle that we would pray that we would read your word that we would ask for the holy spirit to fill us each day to handle the problems and the conflicts that we would turn to you and look for your wisdom and your guidance lord god we want to follow you we confess that there's been things lord where we have been reacting and we haven't responded as as you would have us And so father we lay that down at the foot of the cross We thank you father for your death and resurrection that gives us that power in our life to be able to follow you And that relationship we have with you lord god I pray we wouldn't look at uh, the conflicts as a, a Thing to defeat us, but that we would decree over them We would speak over them the victory that we have in jesus christ and lord god that we would follow you through that no matter if it's Uh, the deep waters or the fire or the valleys lord god that we would walk with you through them and come out the other side in victory father i pray you would protect us each day to cover us with your love your grace your strength lord god that that the enemy would not have a chance to mess with us because we are walking in faith with you and lord there's nothing between us That your power and your love flow through us, Lord God, as we handle that conflict. Lord God, we thank you that the enemy cannot have the last word, but you do. And we claim that for ourselves, Lord God, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.